The following is a special episode of Common Sense Digest, titled On the Road to $1 Billion in Vehicles Stolen, the Data Trends Behind Colorado's Motor Vehicle Theft Crisis. You'll hear remarks from Common Sense Institute President and CEO Kristen Strom, Criminal Justice Fellows Mitch Morrissey and George Brockler, Senior Economist Stephen Byers, and David Hayes, the President of the Colorado Association of Chiefs of Police. To find this podcast along with all others, in addition to the study that accompanies this report, visit commonsenseinstituteco.org. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Okay, we are going to go ahead and get started. My name is Kristen Strom, and I am President and CEO of Common Sense Institute. Today, we're excited to share a new report with you all on the road to $1 billion in vehicles stolen, the data trends behind Colorado's motor vehicle theft crisis. Common Sense Institute, for those of you that are not familiar, is a nonpartisan nonprofit research institute. This is our fourth study related to crime in the last year. Um, And we take a deep dive on auto theft. I'm excited that we are joined with our criminal justice fellows today. Um, George Brockler, who served as the elected district attorney for the 18th Judicial District, Colorado's most populous district, which includes Arapahoe, Douglas, Elbert, and Lincoln counties from 2013 to 2021. In addition, Mitch Morrissey serves as a CSI criminal justice fellow Mitch was the elected district attorney for the second judicial district from 2005 to 2017. He's internationally recognized for his expertise in DNA technology. In addition, on the phone today, we have Stephen Byers. Stephen is a senior economist with Common Sense Institute and has experience spanning 23 years, including work at federal agencies like the SEC and the Commodity Futures Trade Commission. Lastly, but not um, Not to be forgotten, we are also joined by Louisville Chief of Police, David Hayes, who serves as the president of the Colorado Association of Chiefs of Police. Welcome, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Let's go ahead and dive in. Um, Want to dive into this report, and I think it's important to start with a little bit of context and framing. CSI released a report late in 2021 that showed Colorado was the number one state in the nation for vehicle theft. You can see this on this table here. So Mitch, George, what is the data telling us now that we're six months into 2022? We're getting better at the stolen car game, uh, frankly. Uh, As you go through these slides, what you will notice is that we are still surging in the number of stolen cars throughout the state of Colorado, but really with an emphasis on the metro area. You'll also notice that law enforcement has upped its game as well. And there will be a a greater number of arrests for car theft than there were the year before, but the criminals are outpacing them and they're stealing more cars than they can be arrested for. And uh, that's leading us to this number one ranking, which I expect to remain uh, throughout the rest of this year. I agree with George that, you know, we're continuing to be number one in auto thefts in the country. Uh, I think, We're going to see the same type of costs that we saw last year in the range of a billion plus if you actually do the analysis that way. And it's just it's one of those things that we need to get a handle on. And it is, uh, you know, we're going to see it in other crimes and how it impacts other crimes. But it's important that we're doing this study at this point. And obviously we'll follow through with the statistics as they go through the year and finish off. 
One important thing to note, you know, we have data for six months into 2022, and you can see if auto theft continues at the current rate of just over 4,000 thefts per month, Colorado's on track to hit 48,000 stolen vehicles, which would be an all-time high for our state. So when we look at just the theft rate, um, Stephen, who's on our team and our lead economist, was able to pull FBI data from 185 cities across the nation. And you can see on this table that Colorado has four cities in the top 10 in terms of motor vehicle theft rate. Mitch, George? You have this kind of increase, 120.6% with Colorado's monthly motor vehicle theft rate. That that is just uh, incredible numbers. I know George likes to use terms like surge, terms like tsunami, but, you know, I've got to agree with him here when you're seeing that kind of increase rate. I don't think there's going to be any question that we're going to be number one and these cities will continue to be in the top 10. It's interesting if you look at the states that are represented here with these high car theft cities, um, with the exception of that outlier of Wisconsin, they are the two states in the Northwest who have, I think, struggled most with how they're approaching criminal justice reform. And I think we're most consistent with the approach they've taken. And lo and behold, we're experiencing some of the same things. Stephen, any additional insights in this data? Yeah, I think it's interesting that the the city of Aurora, Colorado, recently, uh, July 11th, passed a new ordinance that uh, uh, put forth new mandatory jail time minimums for people convicted of stealing cars. So rather than wait for the state to take take action, the cities are doing what they can to uh, thwart this crime wave. It's a good point. And I will note that these four cities right here combined They account for over 50% of the vehicles stolen statewide in Colorado. For those reporters that are just joining, I want to remind everybody that we are recording today. If you'd like a recording, please drop your email in the chat. You can also log questions for after the press conference in the chat or Q&A. So looking at the total value of vehicles stolen, which is the title of this report, you know, on the road to $1 billion dollars. George, Mitch, what are you seeing in terms of value? Well, it's interesting. As you go through the rest of this presentation, what you'll notice is, and and maybe it's a surprise, but the higher end vehicles, the vehicles that are most likely to be owned by uh, rich folks like the Jeff Bezos's, the Mitch Morrissey's, the others that are out there, (laughs) they are not the ones that make up the bulk. You know, I'm kidding. Uh, I meant his wife. Uh, The bulk of the ones that are stolen. In fact, the bulk of the ones that are targeted and stolen are ones that are most likely to be owned by working and lower class folks economically. And that ends up becoming an increasing number of those cars, which, as you can imagine, has a much greater impact on those victims than it might on someone whose family has the ability to get another car. They have another car in the garage and those make up the bulk of that increase in value. Yeah, I think that that's the saddest part of this whole study is that the targeted victims are those people that can't afford uh, to lose their car. If they had, you know, they need it for work, they need it to get their kids to school, they need all of those things. 
The other thing I'd like to point out is if you go back and look at our, for our past studies, we did the impact, the overall impact of the auto thefts. This is just the values. So um, it's kind of, you know, you're looking at millions instead of billions, but I think the overall cost to the kind of victims that George is talking about, uh, the, the lost time, the lost wages, all of those things that came in and were considered in our last report when we talked about auto thefts uh, and in crime in general, um, you know, those are the kind of costs that, you're, that go with these value numbers. So you both expect that when CSI releases our update on 2022 and our cost modeling, you'll see a number greater than a billion dollars just on cost that includes value of vehicles too. I, I expect the number to be between 1.5 and 2 billion. Great. I agree with George. So you both talked about the values of motor vehicles stolen. You can see here, here's a breakdown just on which cars are being stolen. What's the value of the cars? Over 85% of vehicle thefts are vehicles valued at 25,000 or less. Thoughts? Well, I think that that is a, there's a lot of things there. We've already talked about the type of people that are being impacted by those cars being stolen. But I also think that it is a, to some degree, an indication of the sophistication of um, auto thieves in our state, because stealing a lower value car is a reduced crime, could be a misdemeanor. It's all based on value. So, uh, they know if they steal one of these really fancy cars like George is driving, um, it might, it, it's going to be in a felony level and it's maybe at a high felony level. And that is going to pique the attention of law enforcement, prosecutors, and a potential judge in sentencing someone, you know, just a higher range of sentence. I don't know if this helps make the point, but I'm actually in a car I stole for purposes of this press. No, I'm kidding. It's my car. To, to echo, though, what Mitch said, I think what's important to know about what we've done with our laws over the past really less than a decade is to make car theft less painful and less punitive for car thieves, uh, even to some extent repeated car thieves. And so when you talk about someone stealing a car that's valued less than $2,000, the person that owns that car, that relies upon that car, the impact of its theft is so much greater than it would be on stealing a car like the one I'm in right now on that person. And yet we don't punish based on impact on the victim. We punish based on value. And that is really regressive in terms of the way we've approached this. We make it easier and less painful to steal from those who need the cars most. Like. Yeah, Stephen, you did a lot of modeling on this and overlapped it with kind of neighborhoods and counties and wealth. Can you talk to that a little bit? Uh, yes, I, I can. I would like to just add in one thing before I do that is, you know, a lot of these, uh, most of these cars are being stolen in lower income neighborhoods and they're the property of lower income individuals. But one thing we don't see talked about much is that uh, insurance companies identify hotspots for motor vehicle theft. And that's one of four main categories they use to set premium rates. So not only are these people having their cars stolen, but then their premiums are going up. Everybody's premiums are going up, but theirs are going up. And that's even more of a, well, it's even more regressive because they can least afford to have an increase in their premiums. 
uh, the neighborhoods that uh, the neighborhood, interestingly, we looked at the different neighborhoods in Denver. And uh, the neighborhood, even though there's not many residents there, that has the most thefts per, thefts per thousand people is DIA with 550, uh, 559 thefts per thousand people. They had 668 incidents so far in 2022. So it's concentrated there and also in the Central Park region of Denver, Five Points and Northeast Park Hill. The lowest uh, crime rate and number of incidents occurs in the Welshire neighborhood. Super interesting. So DIA has about 3% of all motor vehicle thefts for Colorado so far in 2022. Yes. And I think that it's important for people to think about what's going on out there. Obviously, there's a lot of people that park their car out there that don't live out there. So they don't live in the neighborhood of DIA. They're parking their car there. They're leaving it for uh, long periods of time, days, sometimes weeks. And so those cars are sitting there idle and they are a target. The other target at DIA are the car rental businesses that are out there that do lose a lot of cars to auto thieves. And there are a whole you know, load of rental cars that sit out there in those lots. And in my career, I remember the thieves that would hit the rental outfits, they worked out a way to get those cars and would be out there stealing their, those cars weekly. Can't remember which uh, Old West outlaw it was when asked, why do you rob banks? He says, that's where the money is. Um, DIA is where the cars are. It is a target rich environment and it should be treated that way by law enforcement and the surrounding businesses. Right now what we see is, uh, it is the hotspot. If it's the hotspot for Denver, best guess without knowing all the stolen cars in all the cities in Colorado, maybe the number one place in Colorado for stolen cars. And then arguably maybe the number one place in the nation, correct? It could be, could be, could be. I mean, there's still Los Angeles and Chicago, places like that. I don't see them in the top 10 list, though. So what is being stolen? When you look at the types of vehicles being stolen, this is, according to the Colorado Auto Theft Prevention Authority, the list of the most frequently stolen vehicles in 2021. Now let's dive into vehicle thefts versus recoveries. Um, The recovery rate for stolen vehicles is fallen in 2022. We're at an all-time low. Thoughts? Well, I, I yeah, wonder I think on your ahead. prior on your prior slide, I, again, I think that that speaks to the sophistication of auto thieves in Colorado. They are stealing the cars that are easiest to steal. They are stealing the cars that you can go on YouTube and say, "Okay, this is how you steal the 2017 Hyundai Sonata." It's right there on YouTube, and it's teaching juveniles, it's teaching adults, it's teaching people how to steal those cars. These are. These people are sophisticated. They're looking at certain models, certain types, certain years, and they are stealing those cars because they're easy to steal. And they are stealing more. They're stealing a lot of them. They're repeat offenders. It's amazing. And I'm sorry to make us go back. No, in response to the, the recovery rate, I think what folks ought to take away from this, both with arrests and recoveries, the numbers of those things have increased. Make no mistake, law enforcement is increasing their tempo, their pace, their focus. You can look at what Aurora has done with their DART program. They're all putting increased resources into this, and they're successful. The problem is 
the criminals have upped their game as well. They're even more successful. And so when you compare the increase in the rate of recovery to the increase in the number of cars that are stolen, it makes that recovery rate actually lower. That's the scary part. And you can see, too, that despite what you're just talking about, despite more vehicles being returned, the recovery rates continues to fall as thefts have increased. So here's just another way of looking at this as well. And, and I'm aware of in some of the more the smaller surrounding cities of Denver, they are investing in things like uh, plate readers that they can drive through a parking lot with a car to try to recover stolen cars. But this problem is so great that a city like Sheridan is looking to invest in a plate reader or two so they can continue to recover these cars that are being parked in their jurisdiction, but oftentimes stolen as far away as Pueblo. George, can you talk a little bit about 2014 and what happened to motor vehicle theft felony offense levels and why we have that shaded here and why you can see a dramatic spike in the year since 2014? Yeah, 2014 wasn't just some random year that was chosen. The General Assembly got together and decided to change the level of felony and the potential punishment for car theft. And it was right after they reduced that. That's even before we got to the latest reduction, which eliminated $2,000 and less vehicles from felony consideration. That happened then. So, you know, you can call it correlation or coincidence or causation. It kind of doesn't matter because the timing is perfect. Um, and when we change the law to make it less punitive to steal a car, as it turns out, car thefts began to explode and they're continuing unabated. Let's look at the arrest statistics. Um, arrests are not keeping pace with thefts. You can see the huge decrease. Thoughts? I think it's the same phenomenon George talked about with recoveries. The arrest levels may, you know, it, it appears they're dropping down, but you've got to keep in mind that the, the number of thefts is going up so quickly that even if that was a static number, um, it, they would be falling behind. So look at this is really interesting. And I thought this was really important to highlight from the report. Secondary offenses related to motor vehicle thefts. And we actually saw recently that Commander Mike Greenwall with the Metropolitan Auto Theft Task Force said 98, 97% of the people who have been arrested in the last three years for auto theft have multiple arrests for auto theft. But it's not just auto theft. What we're seeing is a huge spike in other secondary offenses related. Mitch, George, Stephen? I think that's true. Look, there's going to be folks out there that are going to say that car theft is the product of people looking for some warm place to stay during the winter. Uh, this statistic rebuts that pretty, pretty explicitly. And that is that people are stealing cars for financial gain and to commit additional crimes. Sometimes those crimes are other property crimes. Other times those crimes are violent crimes and persons crimes. This idea that we treat car theft like it's shoplifting a Snickers bar is ridiculous because we can see what's happening. And, and oftentimes the damage to the car is not that it ran into a tree or it hit a right. post or something. It's actually been stripped. The secondary crime there is, you know, the, the stealing of the catalytic converters 
or some other parts and things from the car. So not only is the car taken, but then the car is stripped or used. And I think George's point is very well, you know, these criminals need vehicles, they need to get going, they need to get, you know, the to the place they're going to commit another crime. They need to be able to load up the things they're stealing there and they need to, to get away. Often we would see decoy cars that are stolen. They're the car that's out in front of the bank that's being robbed uh, because it is a stolen car and it cannot be tied back to the, the bank robber. The bank robber then drives out of the parking lot where the surveillance has shown the car clearly, but it's not his car. So it's not really even a lead towards solving that bank robbery. Cars help with that. Stolen cars. Stephen, any thoughts on offenses? Well, it's interesting that this is we're seeing more drug related offenses here in Colorado. And of course, the fentanyl uh, scourge is is ramping up. So it's uh, rather interesting to see that these are related to motor vehicle thefts. And surely you would have to think that if we reduce the number of motor vehicle thefts, that some of these secondary offenses might drop off as well. So what, what do we do about it? What, what are recommendations that you both had in the report moving forward, George and Mitch? Go ahead, George. Well, I think when you look at a quote by Commander Greenwell that talks about the uh, background specific to car theft with current offenders, it becomes clear that whatever we think we're accomplishing through rehabilitation on the back end of a criminal conviction is an utter failure. When it comes to many of these car thieves, we're either paroling too early, too often. We're not revoking more quickly. We're not uh, keeping them in jail at the front end with bail. And I think a lot of this stems from this idea that it's just a property crime. And when you diminish it by calling it just a property crime and not worthy of incarceration, I think what you see is what we're seeing here in the state of Colorado. We got to get back to the idea of treating things like real crimes. Uh, that have real consequences to them. And so I think we really need to look at bail reform again. What does that mean? What impact it has? And I think if you take a look at what has taken place with the current parole board and their parole policies, you will see a uh, direct connection between the decisions that they're making and the increase in the crime rate, not just here with a bunch of other things as well. I think it's important to remember that, you know, we were number one last year in the increase in property crimes overall. And this is a large driver of that number one position that Colorado unfortunately has along with auto thefts. When the city of Aurora has to step up and try to do something about this because they are not supported by the legislature, because the legislature has not read our reports and understand what this is, the type of costs that we're talking about here to the people that they represent. It's time to address auto thefts differently. I understand that, that you know, George's, our recommendations have to do with multiple offenders. And this morning, I spoke with a DNA analyst from CBI, and they use DNA to catch auto thieves. And she says, we've got one guy that I have DNA in 30 different stolen cars. And every time he steals a car, he drinks in it, he smokes in it, he leaves his DNA on the steering column, and they are all over the state. 
And I have to then re-report all of these things. So the cost of this to law enforcement goes much further than just the person making the arrest. The crime labs are working on it. A lot of people are working on this problem. But then you get to the point where it's been considered a minor crime for so long that it is attributed to this tsunami that we're seeing when it comes to auto theft. And it's time to pivot and it's time to decide. What are we going to do about auto theft in the state of Colorado and the people that pass the laws and the individual that signs the laws to get passed need to get serious about this? Thank think, you both. Oh, go ahead, Stephen. Well, I think uh, I started doing a little research on the impact of crime on taxable sales, the uh, revenue to these uh, local municipalities and so forth. And uh, I think when you start to in these areas that have high crime and the cities are starting to see that their revenue sources are dropping because people aren't shopping there, doing business there, that they'll be uh, motivated to take action like Aurora did. And before I turn it over to Chief Pace for a few thoughts, um, just want to remind everybody, we are recording this session. If you would like a recorded link of this today, please drop your email in the chat. We'll be taking a few questions, too, after Chief Hayes speaks, um, and you can also log those in the chat or Q&A, and I will get to you. Chief Hayes, some thoughts? Sure. Can you guys hear me okay? Yep. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, so first, uh, Dave Hayes. I'm the police chief in Louisville, but also serve as the current president of the Colorado Association of Chiefs of Police, and thanks to the Common Sense Institute for inviting us. So it, uh, from a Police chief perspective, um, it, it concerns us that, that any kind of crime concerns us, but in particular with with auto theft, um, it's almost disparate treatment for victims. If somebody loses a car, regardless of the value, they still don't have a car to get to work in or to get their kids to school or get their kids to extra activities. So unlike whether you, wherever the, the limit is now between felony theft and misdemeanor theft, if you were going to take something from a, a grocery store or a warehouse, that probably makes sense in terms of the severity of the crime. But in terms of auto theft, if you don't have a car, you don't have a car. If your car has been stolen, it's been stolen regardless of the value of the car. Um, so, it, it, of course, that, that concerns us. We should be, you know, part of what our charge for law enforcement is, we should be practicing constitutional policing. That is representing the rights of everyone. And that's victims, witnesses, suspects, defendants, uh, everybody. But the, the law, the way it's worded now, that does create a problem for that um, in terms of the value of the car. Um, it's also important to note, and I think the attorneys spoke a little bit about this, is many times when we recover cars, the cars have been in accidents, they've been involved in other crimes, there's drug paraphernalia in the car. So it's really even gone beyond, and I know Common Sense Institute has also looked at this, it's gone beyond the value of the car, it's the loss of the car, the Uber rides that people have to take, plus they're also dealing with a car that now has stuff in it that doesn't belong to them, or it's been in a traffic accident. And there's, you know, on top of all of that would be a deductible probably for the accident, and then a deductible for the, the theft of the car. Um, in, in terms of law enforcement, we're working on it. We are in many agencies across this area, Denver area, are installing camera systems. Those are, that's taxpayers' money that are going to pay for those things. It's time that officers spend, more time we spend on auto thefts as they increase, means less time that we're spending in neighborhoods uh, trying to prevent crime because we're following up on and recovering many, uh, many stolen cars. 
So I'll, I'll stop there, but uh, again, thank you for bringing this to our attention. And I believe that uh, the more I've listened to, to, the, to what was offered today, it seems to make perfect sense to me that if you're, if you're without a car, you're without a car, and it doesn't seem to be fair that one, one person's car is, is, gets more attention than another person's car because one might be a felony theft, felony auto theft versus a misdemeanor. Thank you, Chief Hayes. A question, um, where are some areas that had high crime rate that took steps to reduce it and succeeded in reducing their rate of crime? Is increased incarceration the only way to reduce auto theft? Mitch and George, do you want to start with that? George appears to be muted. I was just going to say, I, um, I don't think it's the only answer. It is definitely part of the answer. And if you want quicker results, it is the soonest way to get a better answer. In terms of the cities that have taken steps, remember, we just started advancing this conversation last year. Common Sense Institute did. That's what kind of put it on everyone's radar. We've seen cities like Aurora take progressive steps to try to address this, but it's so early. We just don't know the data yet. We're starting to see a little bit of the trend work there, and we can talk about what it means with juveniles. But right now, the stuff we're doing is clearly, if you were going to grade it, and I'm sitting here in my kid's school right now, it's an F, right? It's an F. Nothing that we're trying right now is working. We've got to take different steps. When the crime rate was lower, we were able to hold these people in custody for this, that, or the other. Maybe we ought to go back there. If you want to see a study where you actually the kind of impact that what we're suggesting had, look at the burglary study that we did in Denver, where we used DNA to catch people that were committing home burglaries. And not only did we use DNA to catch them, about 88% of the time we were finding DNA in a home burglary, we were also holding habitual burglars, people with three, four, five burglaries accountable in what they had to do as far as any plea bargain that they took, which meant they had to plead to the charge. And when we did that, and if you look at the study, and it is on my website, uniteddataconnect.com, you can go and see that study. And when we did that, we reduced the burglary rate, not only in Denver, but across the entire metropolitan area. So if somebody asks, where did you do this and how did it have an impact? It had an incredible impact. We caught one couple on one cigarette butt and we reduced the burglary rate in the West Wash Park neighborhood by 47%. This is something you can do if you pay attention, if you catch these individuals, the repeat offenders, and you hold them accountable in the best way that you can. They're not going to be out there stealing 30 cars. Thank you both. Uh, Connor, I believe that Stephen answered your question, but I'll just um, ask it one more time. For that recovery rate, are the vehicles always salvageable? Are, there sometimes, are they sometimes essentially totaled? Stephen, do you want to answer what the data gives us? I don't have any data that tells you the condition of the vehicle that has been recovered. Maybe Mitch and George know anecdotally from what they've seen. They're usually trashed, at least, oftentimes totaled because there is a high-speed chase that involves one of Chief Hayes's individuals trying to, to catch them. Um, but I've seen scenarios where very good cars were stolen. They were destroyed. And uh, the insurance company basically just totaled them out. 
Sometimes they'll total out a car just because the catalytic converter has been stolen from the car. That, that, this goes to the issue of the cost of insuring your car in Colorado. And Colorado is one of the highest places in the United States to insure cars. And if you go back to our chart, you look at the list of the cars that are most stolen, that are easily stolen. Those cars are the hardest cars to insure because the insurance companies are paying attention and they don't like paying out. So they're going to give you a Hyundai or something like that. It's going to be much harder and much more expensive to insure. I don't see any other questions. Thank you for joining us this morning. If you do have follow-up questions, you can feel free to email commonsenseinstitute at infocsinstituteco.org, or you can visit our website for a full report. Um, We will also send out a recording of this as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for the invite.